listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances Podcast. My name's Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast. And today's episode is entitled Chaos. Um, I think as far as this podcast goes, uh, I've learned quite a great deal of things. And I put them all together in episode 31 uh, entitled Sequitur, which was talking about everything I've learned to this point in not only my life, but in doing this podcast about what makes up self-awareness and mental health. And to be honest, I really thought that was the conclusion. That was it. That was as far as I could go. But in thinking it over and in, you know, taking some time to contemplate where this podcast has taken me, I've realized that if I were to call it the end, right? If I were to call it, okay, you know, I did my thing. I did good enough. You know, maybe people listened to it. Maybe people didn't. Where would I have left it? And I had left it at a point where it was an educational piece episodes, you know, really episodes two to 31. The intro was the intro. That was episode one. And I really didn't really, I I didn't hit my stride until maybe I'm going to say, you know, episode seven when I talked about reality. And that was kind of a culmination point. Uh, for some of the earlier episodes. So I, I don't know. I episodes two to 31 were like an education piece. They were not scripted, but they were really there to break down and understand what self-awareness was, how it applied to mental health and how those two things are intrinsically tied together, but also vastly different and how self-awareness is really applied to mental health. But mental health has a lot to do with how we come about understanding our self-awareness or gaining better self-awareness. It's really hard to see through the fog of war, as it were, you know, the, the morning mist that you can't see the enemy. And sometimes that enemy is yourself. And I had to come to that conclusion uh, in this sequitur episode and really break down everything that I talked about. And again, it was an educational thing. So moving forward, I think I get to do what I want to do. And I don't know what that is to be completely honest. So I'm going to, you know, we spitball it. You, you come up with stuff. You, you almost, you gain a different persona, if you will. You know, my persona on the podcast is much different in some ways than what you would you would see out in public. To be honest, you probably won't see me out in public. I'm a bit of a homebody in some ways, but I'm more of an introverted type of person. What you get on the podcast is more of me and my teaching persona, if you will. It's more of how I was when I was teaching martial arts, how I am when I'm interacting with my clients as a massage therapist. Um, even the mentor role I take in some cases when I speak to individuals who have questions about metaphysics or just life in general, you know, the random younger individual I might run into that 
I work with or have worked with that just, they have questions and they don't, they don't know who to go to. They can't go to their parents, you know, cause some of these things, you know, they just don't want that perspective or they get it constantly. So they want a different idea and they can't necessarily go to their boss cause that might entangle them in some things. So they look for the neutral parties and I consider myself a neutral party. I've also played quite a bit of D and D in my life. And for those of you who have never played Dungeons and Dragons, I highly recommend it. Uh, it's a fun time, but in Dungeons and Dragons, there's a a ranking system for what type of character one might be or one might be interacting with and how their loyalty set or their alignment is what it's called. It's their alignment might dictate the actions in which they may take. And it's kind of funny to apply that to real life in some cases. And the... Alignment system is based on order and chaos. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Well, there's there's good, evil, chaos, order, um, and there's lawful. There's a bunch of different ones, and you can go look at it. It's all in the D&D rule books. Again, great game to play, a lot of fun. Um, but there's this alignment known as chaotic neutral, and that's kind of what I consider myself. I, I consider myself chaotic neutral. I'm neutral in most cases. I'm neutral on most things. I like to get as much information as I can and make up my own mind on something. And that often doesn't line up with other people's opinions, but I tend to come with receipts. I tend to come with at least some clarity of background so I can openly discuss or at least educatedly discuss the goings on of life. But I'm also chaotic by nature. I, I like to just leave little chaos bombs around. I like to add things to some people call it playing devil's advocate or those types of things. So today's episode with its long winded intro is entitled chaos. And I'm going to start as I often do with a Merriam Webster's dictionary definition, but I'm not going to use the most common definitions here. I'm going to go, I'm going to jump straight if you're on MiriamWebsterDictionary.com, to, to 2A. And the 2A definition is a state of things in which chance is supreme. And it goes on further to say, especially the confused, unorganized state of primordial matter before the creation of distinct forms. 2B the second part of the two definition here is the inherent unpredictability in the behavior of a complex natural system, such as atmosphere, boiling water or beating heart. I would add human to that humanity. That's a unpredictable, the unpredictable behavior of a complex natural system. Well, a complex natural system is the body in which you're walking around in. And remember, I've talked about how we have a couple different health bodies. We got the, the physical form that, coral reef you're in charge of, you know, tons and tons of uh, matter material made up of organisms and bacteria and cells and all these other little living things going on that make up these cool human forms we get to walk around in. And then you have your mental health body and then the spiritual health body. And as I talked about in uh, the sequitur episode, getting what I thought, to be honest, was going to be the end of this podcast was... I have a great deal of work to do to figure out and heal 
what would be known as the spiritual body, the body of the other, the, the almost the belief structure, but it's more than that. It, it's this understanding of the universal nature. And I have a pretty solid background and understanding of the logical and the just the reasoning side of how the universe works. I know it does things, you know, asymmetrically, but it finds balance in doing so. I know that as above, so below, the microcosm and the macrocosm are often in mirror of each other. I know that there are these things known as principles and concepts and techniques and that principles rule concepts and concepts rule techniques, but it also works up and down the ladder, microcosm, macrocosm. But principles can be applied to things. And if you can figure if you can figure out the the principle nature of something, you can apply it to things that it has nothing to do with. Because that's what a principle does. So if you can find the principle conjugate pieces of reality, you can, you know, understand how the universe works. One of those, you know, I'm sure in some facet is magnetism. Because we're not really taught exactly what magnetism is. I mean, there's people out there like Ken Wheeler, uh, Theory of Apophysis on YouTube, and people like Boscovich, who wrote the Theory of Natural uh, Philosophy, um, Heaviside, Faraday, Tesla. You know, these individuals had a very good understanding of magnetism. And you can go read those things, and once you understand this principal idea of magnetism and how it works universally, you can start applying it to all sorts of different things. I, in my practice as a massage therapist, have now started to learn how to apply it to the bioelectric field of the body and then understood that that is what Qigong is. Qigong and Reiki, but specifically the idea of Qigong and the traditional Chinese medicine use of Qi as a healing structure is this understanding of the magnetic fields or not really magnetic fields, but the way magnetism is applied to the bioelectric field. You're like a giant magnet, essentially, but it's a very low-key magnet. And it's specifically designed to work with bioelectricity. And that bioelectricity is inherent in all things, every cell in your body. Think Star Wars, think, you know, the Force, you know, those types of things. It's, it's a natural function of, of human life. And I, I would argue of other, you know, life. I, I think this is part of what, and I'm, I'm just throwing things out there at this point, but I think this is part of how animals understand our grief and understand our emotional states. You know, when the, the dog or the cat curls up next to you, cause you're having a bad day. This is, I think this is what they're feeling, what they're reading. I mean, we know birds see magnetism as far as actual magnetism, you know, from North and South Pole, which oddly enough, if you didn't know the world uh, as a whole, the Earth, the North Pole is actually the South Pole. If you look at it as like our traditional understanding of magnetism and thus, you know, vice versa. So where does all this fit into chaos? Well, to me, chaos is a primordial factor. And I've talked about before how we have the procession, if you will, of the primordials. And the first, in my eyes, is chaos. And to be honest, if chaos didn't exist, nothing would exist. It was the first. The first thing was chaos. Most religions and 
these types of things where we talk about a God or gods or, you know, omnipotent presence, universal order of harmonic frequency. If you want to talk about the scientific version of what God would be defined as is a uniform frequency that we find throughout the entire universe in which everything is scalared from these types of things come after chaos. Chaos had to come first, had to the big bang theory. That's chaos. The, you know, to, to be honest, anything you want to put out there, I could probably bring back to the idea that chaos had to come first. And we often look at chaos in our human lives as the first definition from Merriam-Webster's dictionary, which is a state of utter confusion, you know, a confused mass or a mixture. It's, it's chaos. Oh no. But that's, that's a small, I don't know. It's a, it's a small perspective. It's a connotation perspective, to be honest, and we all know what I feel about adding connotation to things. Go right ahead, but it's, it's much better to take it out of it. So chaos from the original definition I used, which is the second definition on Merriam-Webster Dictionary, is a state of things in which chance is supreme. Is that not where everything came from? Is that not the definition of what came first? The chicken or the egg, right? That that whole argument. So in my spiritual process of trying to figure out what exactly it is, I'm looking for or looking at in my spiritual life, I start at chaos. I start at the state in which things have a chance of anything. It's infinite possibility, infinite infinite opportunity it can be anything. And I think that's what chaos really is. I think it's what came first. Chaos as a whole, chaos as a, a representation from the primordials comes before creation. Because in order to create something, we need building blocks. We need pieces. We need, we need things. We gotta, we gotta have options. You know, just to take it into modern society, in order to create something, we need material. And that material could be as simple as the child with a crayon and a piece of paper or a, a blank wall, or it could be as complex as the individual with their makeup kit and, you know, the, the vast array of things that can happen with the world of makeup or the world of cosmetics in general. And that goes as far as going into, you know, cosmetic artists for playwrights and for movies and costume design. There's another one, fashion. The material is fabric or other things that they use, you know, that's chaos. It's that, that supreme opportunity of chance, supreme opportunity possibility. And from those things we can create. And thus I say we're omnipotent individuals who rule over a human body. That body does what we tell it to do. Now that body is made of all sorts of different materials, cellular structures. In fact, we take in what's known as vitamins, which come from vitamers and vitamers are the, the unique aspect of, of what vitamins really are. 
And we call them vitamins because they're vital nutrients, which means they're vital to our survival. If we don't get one of the vitamins, if we don't get enough of it, we're going to possibly die. You can die of deficiency from vitamins. The easiest one that's usually remembered is the lack of vitamin C. The lack of vitamin C typically leads to scurvy. And that breakdown of cellular structure, I would define as cancerous by nature. So scurvy is almost, in my personal opinion, technically it's a cancer. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a manipulation of the cellular structures because those cellular structures have no ability to protect themselves anymore. Vitamin C is kind of that. Vitamin C is like the walls of the castle. I did a deep dive um, you can find on YouTube, the Taming Hindrances YouTube channel. Um, and it's also on the website, but I did a deep dive about vitamins and I'll break it down pretty simple for you here. If you think about a medieval castle, you have vitamin C. Vitamin C is the walls of the castle. It protects everybody. Then you have vitamin E. Vitamin E is like the gatekeeper. They're the guards at the gate. They let people in and out. You have vitamin B and vitamin B is all of the people running around doing things, you know, the stable master and the, you know, the serfs or peasants, whatever you want to call them. It's all the, it's all the busy people doing things, cleaning the castle, doing things. And then you have something like vitamin A and vitamin A is more of like um, a specialist. And specifically vitamin A, we use it in rhodopsin for our eyes and those types of things, but it's like a specialist. So, you know, that's the person telling some of those vitamin B people what to do. And then you have vitamin uh, D, which is like uh, the queen of the castle. You know, she's in charge. She's, she's telling she's running the whole operation. And vitamin K is like the bishop. It's like the, the person next to the queen really, you know, helping administer things. It's the, the, the administrative assistant to the queen. And that's, that's kind of the breakdown. That's kind of how the vitamin system works, but the vitamin system is essential to our, our lives. So those building blocks, those pieces, that material, it's part of the world of chaos. Because if you think about it, isn't it kind of chaos? Like all these, like, like, how do I, like a cow eats some grass and gets these vitamin things. And then because they're how their stomach system works, they get the nutrients out of it. And then they deposit it into their, some into their fat tissue, some into their muscular tissue. And then the person consumes that. If you're not a eater of animals, I understand whatever, I'm not getting into that argument right now, but same thing from vegetables. You know, the vegetables take in um, sunlight and they create a nutrient structure. They pull minerals out of the ground and then they deposit them into their fleshy tissue. And then we eat those too. And we get, it's chaos. It's chaos. There's just all these materials everywhere. And we're building things out of them. We're creating things out of them constantly. But it has to start with chaos. So after chaos, we have creation. And creation is the using of all these important building blocks that, or materials or whatever you want to call it, the chaos provides us. And after something's created, we order it. That's the next on the list. You have chaos, creation, order. And order is exactly that. It's the ordering of all these created things. Call Maria Kondo. She's very good at it. You know, it's, it's that ordering that is the seeking of perfection. 
wants something so uniformly ordered and the body does this, the body, our little cells running around doing stuff for us that we don't even think about. Like we just think "Mm, hamburger face. That's what we think. And so the body does that's we're in charge. It's we're the, we're the omnipotent presence here to the body. So we're just like, yeah, burger face go. You know, some people are like ice cream, French fry, whatever. doesn't matter. We're just, that just happens. We just tell the body to do that. Then uh, the cells, our little worker bees are, are, you know, our serfdom. They have to do all the work for us. They do all the hard stuff. They come along and they go, okay, all right, well, we got digestion, stomach track. Um, well, okay. We need to, uh, we break down this part of the bread. I mean, it starts right off when you start chewing, to be honest, your salivatory amylase, which is, uh, your, your saliva. First thing it's an acid technically. And it, it immediately starts breaking down specifically something like bread it turns that into a monosucralate um, or I'm sorry, monoglucate um, or sucralate. I don't remember. Don't quote me on that one. A mono, it turns into a simple sugar. That's I'll make it simple. Your, your saliva, your salivatory amylase, as soon as it starts chewing, as soon as you start chewing on bread, it breaks down the gluten in the bread to make a sugar. And then you eat it you by swallowing it and you ingest it. So it's already, the process has already started without even, you were just like, mm, burger face and your body's all like, okay, well, we got, right, we got to break down this carbohydrate, which is the gluten to make a, a simple sugar. So we can use that simple sugar to do ATP production. So we're going to pull that off. Okay, cool. Oh, Hey, look, there's some protein. We need that. Okay. Awesome. Let's break that down. Oh, this protein also has uh, look, oh, it's got some uh, vitamin E in it. It's got some vitamin, you know, this, that, or the other thing. It's got some vitamin C in it. Oh, there's some collagen here. That's cool. You know, we like collagen. Need that for cellular structures and things like that. Is it, it just starts breaking down all these things without us even thinking about it. So the digestive tract starts pulling out all this stuff, and then cells come along, and you know, some cells come along and go, "Hey, um, we were uh, just." through the cardiovascular system and uh, we picked up some oxygen and we need to pick up some of this and this and this, and then it starts depositing around the body and you start building tissue. And then you have osteoclasts and osteoblasts, which are breaking down and, and producing bone tissue. It just a fucking amazing world of shit is happening all day, all night, constantly. And it's all it's, it's, that's chaos, right? That's the first definition of chaos from Merriam-Webster's dictionary, a state of utter confusion, because we're like, I don't know what's going on, burger faith. And instead, there's all these things happening. We have no idea about, we don't even think about. But we, we started that process, we made them do all that work. So they do all this work, and all this stuff happens, and there was creation, cell tissue. And then there's ordering of that cell tissue. Eventually, that, those cells go, oh, hey, we're building a muscle cool. We know exactly what we're doing. That's what we're creating. That's our creation. We got all these chaotic things came in. The asshole upstairs was like, they're going to put a burger in here and we're going to, we'll figure it out for them because we know they're not smart. We'll figure out the rest. So they create muscle tissue because that's what they're supposed to be doing. Like, oh, maybe you went to the gym that day and you worked out and went for a run, you know, and they're like, okay, we got to, we're creating muscle tissue here. Cool. We got all the pieces. Awesome muscle tissue. Well, now we have to order all those little cells, those columnar cells, or depending on what muscle it is, what type of cell they're going to create. So it orders it all. And once it's all ordered, it's perfect. Done. Awesome. Great. 
That process is over. What, what comes after order? Destruction. Then the asshole upstairs gets to do whatever they want again, i.e. us, our consciousness with these human bodies. And then we go back to the gym and we lift and we, you know, we rip muscle and tear muscle and they have to start the process all over again. But the process starts with chaos. It starts with all of those little pieces in the building blocks. So from a perspective in which I'm trying to figure out what we are by spiritual nature I have to take into effect or at least into mental processes, this idea of chaos is the first primordial. All things started from chaos and were thus created from that and then ordered and then destroyed eventually. And once things are destroyed, they go right back into the pool of chaos. That's, that's the whole process. Chaos just sits around and goes, Hey, destruction. Once you're done doing your thing, I'll be over here. Just drop it off. I'll sort through it if I feel like it. You know, maybe, maybe later, maybe in a couple thousand years, I'll, I'll figure it out. It doesn't really matter. Chaos is like, that's why cats are chaos. <laughs> you know, the cats act like chaos does. But we often, again, add that connotation that chaos is the state of utter confusion. We don't know what's going on. When the reality is the universe, it knows what's going on. It's using chaos all the time because chaos is infinite opportunity. It's infinite possibility. It's where creation comes from. So my argument at this point is, are we not children of chaos? Is that not what we are? And if you have a belief in a God or gods or some sort of evolutionary structure. If you, you know, if you don't want to go with the spiritual God idea, that's fine. Whatever your structure of belief might be. Logically and through reason inference, my previous sequitur, are we not children of chaos and does not that omnipotent presence, if you want to call it God or gods or whatever you want to, any other higher being or more evolved idea that you want to believe in again, I don't, I don't care what you believe in. Is that not a controller of chaos? Is that not someone that can shape chaos and thus bring about creation? And do we not do that in our lives all the time? So I find most people are, they're victim to chaos in their minds. They, they believe that they have no control, right? Isn't that why we often go seek out some sort of spiritual meaning or belief? Wouldn't that be the, the starting place to, you know, where our, our minds begin at? Is it not looking for what is controlling chaos and how I can get out of this rat race that is chaos? And, oh, things are just chaotic everywhere. I don't know what's going on in this confusion state. When in reality, chaos is the greatest thing that ever existed. Chaos is what gives you the ability to live, to, to have a human experience. Chaos is ever present. And without it, we wouldn't be present. We wouldn't be able to exist without it. If there were no more opportunities, no more materials, no more building blocks, no more things we didn't understand, no more questions. 
Because chaos works in that realm too. It's not just material. It's everything. If there were never new, any new thoughts, and by new thoughts I mean no one had another question, there could never be any more answers. And thus we would be fully ordered. We would have created everything. Everything would be fully created. We'd be, we would have run out of materials. And at that point, we would have ordered everything so perfectly. We had, would have taken anthracite and created diamonds because anthracite is coal. We would have taken coal and created diamonds. And they, they would be flawless. They would be perfect. They were completely ordered. Magnificent. And then what do you got? What's left? Nothing. So if there was no chaos, destruction wouldn't have to come around. Destruction would be like, hey, man, I'm staying out of this one. You guys did a great job. Chaos doesn't need anything. I'm taking a break. And that's, that's it. That's stagnation. There's nothing after that. Some might refer to that as death. That may be death. So if that is the cycle and destruction just says, I'm I'm staying out of it. Then we have no more chaos. And without that, we have no more life. That's it. All life everywhere. Even on planets with life that we don't have even discovered yet or know nothing about alien races. If they exist, the gods themselves be them yours or another's. It all stops full stop period done. Sun just stops moving, stops doing what it's doing. It's over. That's a world without chaos. So again, I go back to the idea that I have to look at this from the perspective perspective of we're children of chaos. That's, that's, that's what humanity is. We're children of chaos. Now, the wielders of that chaos is often what we look at as our spiritual inferences gods god omnipotent presence chair doesn't really matter um whatever that belief structure is so it also begs the question should we know should we really know should there be an answer Because if there's an answer to who that wielder is, what that wielder is, the exactness of that wielder, wouldn't that order it and wouldn't that destroy it? And then we got to figure out a whole new thing. I mean, that might work for some people. I don't know, but I don't know if it'll work for everybody. So it's one of those toss-up questions. So instead of getting into all that and me trying to come up with, and I've done this my entire life, really, I've studied multiple religions. I've, I've, you know, I was raised one way. I learned other ways. I've been in and out of churches and I've, I've tried a lot of, a lot of methods is what I call it. They're, they're methods. And I'm left with what's before all that. If I, if I get rid of that conversation, right. If, and not that that's not a good conversation, but if I get rid of it, if I, if I just, if I, if I peek past what we consider the beginning, which is creation. And I look to what comes before creation. I'm left with chaos. I'm left with the idea that chaos came first. What does that mean for, I don't know. I don't know what that means. And to be honest, sometimes it bothers the shit out of me. 
and I don't mean it to belittle anyone who comes from the perspective that creation is first. And, you know, the entire Christian community works off of that. It's that in seven days, God created. And then on the seventh day, God, you know, six days of creation and then God took a break. I'm oversimplifying. I'm not trying to make it light of. I highly respect people who have faith. I, I, again, I've said this many times. I'll continue to say it. I'm not a big fan of organized religion, specifically dogma. And I'm not a big fan of someone telling you what to believe. You have to figure that out for yourself. That should be the first conversation we've ever have with children. As far as it comes to faith, everyone should be sat down and told, hey, you got to figure this out for yourself. Never, ever, ever let someone else tell you what you have to believe. Not what you have to. What you can believe, absolutely fine. Have all the conversations in the world. But never what you have to believe, because that's completely up to you. You are a child of chaos. You're a creator. You might not wield the same amount of power we often refer to as the gods having wielded or wielding, but you're like a little baby god, like a little demigod. You're wielding your omnipotent presence over your, your body all the time. Constantly. Now, it's absolutely fine if some people like to be subservient to an idea greater than them. That's called faith. And faith is a, well, faith is kind of like magic. Faith, actually, I believe is a form of magic. I believe we lost a lot of magic practice in the, um, I'm not how I don't honestly know how to say this correctly, so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna fudge through it a little bit. I believe we lost a lot of magic practice in what faith took on as an opportunity, and then was coerced into later. I believe there was a lot of magical practice in the world, and that magical practice was of the ideology of faith and how faith works. But then ideology was applied on top of it. I hope that makes sense. That dogma and the person sitting there telling you that you have to believe this because I have a sword and I will kill you if you don't. That was applied on top. And that's dogma and that's organized religion. And that's people not being comfortable with others believing something different than them or having faith in something other than what they have faith in. That's a bad world. And we've lived in that world ever since. I mean, that's the nature of humanity in some cases. That's us being very poor at understanding Chaos, which is why I'm talking about chaos. I think we need to understand it more. We need to have a better idea of it, that chaos is the opportunity. Chaos is the, the supreme chance, the, the, the in, infinitely big or just infinite possibility. That's chaos. And by pigeonholing chaos into specific designed ideas of faith and belief and those types of things, we eliminate a whole world of possibility. And thus we kind of, well, we kind of take a chip out of chaos a little bit. Chaos is going to get it back. We gave it right back to it. But in some ways that gives chaos more power. And when you give chaos too much power, things get out of balance. I'm a big believer in chaos as a force, but if you give it too much power, it's going to wield it. It's chaos. So how does it wield it? Well, it fucks with us constantly 
in weird ways. And I often find that we have a whole world of methodologies known as divination or divining features to better understand chaos. I believe that's where the practice of tarot or tarot came from. The tarot cards tell a story about the fool and how the fool goes on its travels to learn its lessons. The fool, the fool is on a path or an adventure to better understand itself. Tarot is almost the story of self, of gaining self-awareness. The fool goes and tries to learn to be self-aware. Ultimately, the fool always fails. And thus the process starts over again. It's, it's almost the story of reincarnation, but each time the fool gains more and more. That's an understanding of the cycle that leads to chaos and comes back to chaos, starts from chaos and comes all the way full circle. So tarot is almost a, a divining factor. It's a way of divining what chaos is going to throw at us and how, how we can better be prepared for that. I think we can do that in multiple ways. One of those is to have a faith, to have a belief in a religion, to study the Bible or study the Quran or study, you know, the Talmud, to, to pick any canon, to study even the Bhagavad Gita, to study that, or, you know, to study the Mahayana, the Vishnu, the greater or lesser canon, even just to study one piece of fiction to a level in which you understand it so deeply that you could define a, a structure of living based on it. That's creation by nature, but that's also the process of divining what chaos is going to throw at you. So I think faith, religion, that's a, that's a, that's a balance to giving chaos more power. The more power we give to chaos, the more we need a better understanding of what might happen because we need to be able to respond to it. There's a bunch of different, I'll call them mm, ideas on how the human mind picks up and uses information and what it's doing with our senses and really how far behind we actually are. There's been some studies to show that we're precognitive, which means we're constantly processing what could happen and then having a re prepared response so that your response is already pre-prepared, which allows us to react much sooner. And that's a, a really good way for a predator, which kind of we are, to be ahead of its prey, um, you know, to have this precognitive, so, or the prey moves, I'm going to move this way, or if this happens, I'm going to happen. It's a survival instinct, essentially. It's lizard brain. Then there's also some studies to show or to, to say that we're X number of seconds behind in our reaction because the processing time from the senses may take a couple milliseconds, but for the brain to put it all together and then give us a representation of our reality that we're living in, our understanding takes some time. Maybe it's three seconds. Maybe it's 15 seconds. Who knows? We're, you know, so we're precognitive, but then post-cognitive at the same time. So we're not really living in the moment, but we're, we're reacting to the next moment. 
and makes up this really weird mix of stuff that could be going on. We don't, we don't quite know yet. That's a fun way of looking at the idea at a microcosmic level and, and your, your daily reaction right now, listening to this podcast, listening to me talk, what's he going to say next? Your brain's constantly trying to figure these out. Well, we take that to the macrocosm. Isn't that really what a canonical record of a religion is basing itself on or an understanding of spiritual nature? If we want to take it a little bit step farther is a set methodology in which to make those precognitive decisions that Am I going to, going all the way back to my D&D reference at the very beginning of this, how am I going to react? What is my natural state of reaction? Am I, are you someone like me who's chaotic neutral? I'm neutral. I tend to work on a moral and ethical basis as much as possible, which means if you're bullying someone, even if I don't like that person, I'm probably going to stop you from bullying them because you shouldn't do that. If you're talking shit, I'm going to make you back it up. You know, if you're in an altercation, I'm chaotic, neutral though. So like, I'm not picking a side unless I can figure out which side is moral or ethically. And if I can't decipher that, then I'm probably not getting involved. Although I might, cause I'm a little bit chaotic, do what I used to do as a bouncer. And I just might step in the middle and be like, anybody who can guess what I can weigh gets $5. That was, I used to do it all the time. Cause I was, I'm a pretty big guy weight wise. I don't often look my weight though. So it works out. I don't usually have to shell out the $5, but I used to do that. Like if an altercation was about to break out, I would just get louder because people tend to, it, it's, it's a, it's a predator mentality, prey mentality thing. It's, it's a animalistic thing where if you ever seen like a shouting match where one person tries to shout over the other person, if you can be louder than both of those people, they tend to, they tend to kind of simmer down because they've now realized, Oh, there's a, there's a bigger, badder thing in the, in the process here. Uh, it doesn't work if the guy's bigger than you, I can tell you that much. Um, or if the person's just one of those likes to fight all the time people. But in most cases I was able to almost in a jolly fashion, shout over these people to quell them from getting the, or from feeding off the crowd, the crowd's all like, Oh shit, these people are going to fight. This is going to be, Oh yeah. Ooh, yeah ooh. And they, they feed into it. Sometimes if you can simmer that down and I used to do it by being like, Hey, anybody can guess my way. And I just be super loud. Cause I can be pretty loud and it would just calm the thing down. But that's, I would just drop that little chaos bomb. And often I would walk right through the situation, right to the center of it. And I got clipped in the face a couple times from somebody trying to throw a punch, but I don't really care. I'm chaos. So, I took the clip punch, didn't hit the other person. So they can't keep fighting now. And then you get one person worries because, oh crap, I just, I just hit the bouncer. What am I going to do now? And you just keep walking. Like nothing, just nothing happened. That's a factor of chaos. I'm adding new material to the possibilities. Now they get to create whatever they want. So I've, I've used these techniques and I'm left with how to apply these things to what I would consider spirituality, the piece I am lacking in my own life. And this podcast is very cathartic for me. So you have to listen to me ramble on about the things I need in my life or the ways to figure it out. And in some way, I hope you can use it to better understand your situation. In fact, that's what we do 
in our creation processes, which I believe is why we like religions because they kind of give us a predefined, you know, answer sheet, which is fine depending on who wrote that answer sheet, right? Like, you know, I don't believe in some of the things the Catholic church does because they have no basis other than their human answer sheet. There's no godly potency to tithing and confession and these types of things. There's, there's nothing in there that says you need to do those things. Canonically, it's not there. I've looked many times and I've spoken to many people on it. And I know that's all anecdotal, believe whatever you want, but nowhere in the new Testament. In fact, the new Testament describes the fact that you don't need to do confession. You can just do confession walking down the street. You can confess your sins directly to God. That's what the new Testament brings about. That's the whole Easter Sunday thing. The whole story of Jesus's death and resurrection is getting rid of that whole process. And I've explained that before in podcasts and I can get into it again another time, but there's also, you know, there's, there's human misrepresentation, which is why I believe organized religion is dangerous because the answer sheet is corrupted. So if that's what I'm left with, I'm left with those options. I'm left with the, the major big religions in the world. I'm left with the, the smaller religions that are in their own right, slightly corrupted because maybe they're trying to mash too many things together or they don't really have a defined system of practice. Um, the closest I've gotten is paganism, um, specifically the Nordic pantheon for paganism, because I, I like the idea of that. It, it speaks to me at almost like a genetical level. Cause you know, I have, I'm a bit of a mud of the world, but some of my genetics come from that area and I, I get a, a pull towards that. But even that we've, we've demolished the corruption is that we've demolished the pagan practices so much that we really don't know what they truly are. In fact, we often represent them like the show um, that's, you know, the current shows that have been on recently that the Vikings show, you know, that pagans, you know, they, they killed people for, you know, spiritual practice. That's kind of a corruption to be honest. Like, yes, that happened. There are historical records that say, yes, these things happen. But the average everyday pagan wasn't really doing sacrifices all that often, to be completely honest. In fact, the most sacrificial thing that would happen was where we get what common religions, well, modern religions use as a, a pre-meal practice was to thank the gods for X that was sacrificial by nature. You know, if you killed a chicken to feed the family, that was sacrificial practice. And so you would use that as a spiritual process. Spirituality was just like a daily practice. It's just like a, it just happened distinctly daily that we find in the Roman empire quite a bit. Actually, the, the, well, actually I'll, well, they corrupted it quite a bit too, but I would say, the there's really no pure representation, but a really good representation would be the Greek pantheons and how Greek worship of 
their pantheon was an everyday practice so much so that there really was a God for everybody. You know, the farmers had the God of harvest, the craftsmen had the gods of, um, uh, of, uh, let's see, I can't even remember half of it, but there was a kind of a God for everybody. The, the crafters had a God of essentially artisans and, we see that practice in the pagan worlds and by pagan, I mean people who, who practice a multi-God pantheon. Now, why is that important? Well, to me, it's important because the, the limitation to a single God is the limitation of chaos. And we know what happens when you limit chaos, it gets more powerful because you're just giving more back to chaos. And so if we need, to, we need to understand chaos, in my personal opinion, to better understand our spiritual lives, we need to understand the materials, the building blocks. It's kind of like having a vocabulary. If you don't know the alphabet, you're probably not going to do pretty well with English. You're just not going to. And then beyond that, if you don't know what's a noun, what's a, a verb, what's a pronoun, what's a adjective. You know, if you don't know these, these sentence structures or, you know, spoken word structures, you're not going to be able to get your point across very well. So my, my thing that I do is I take the end piece, which is where I'm always at. I'm always trying to break things down from, I always end at the beginning. My martial arts career started with, learning a black belt level form. That's how I started martial arts. I started right at the very end. I started at, oh, hey, this is a black belt level form. Here you go, learn it. So I did. And then I had to relearn it in all the belt structures. I had to learn it as a white belt, and I had to learn it as an orange belt, and a brown belt, and a red belt. All the way up this, I had to go up the ladder. Till then I learned it as a black belt, and then I learned it as a second degree black belt, and I was able to apply all this other knowledge that I had to it. And that way of attaining understanding has really sat with me for a really long time. And that's where I get that idea of techniques, concepts, and principles. That's where I get the idea of being able to break things down from their ending piece and then actually understand them more by applying an even bigger understanding to them. And I think that's what chaos is. So how do we apply chaos, right? How do we apply an understanding of chaos? Well, this podcast is about mental health and self-awareness. So I'll try to stay on that track as much as possible going forward here. But if we were to apply chaos to our self-awareness, chaos is a possibility. And really it's the understanding that chaos isn't horrible. It's not terrible. It's not, it's not destroying your life. In fact, it's applying opportunities so that you can make changes. It's the elimination of the connotation. That's where I get this from, is that once you eliminate the connotation, you understand that the flat tire that is probably fucking up your world because maybe you know you didn't get to work, you got fired, it cost you too much, gives you the kick in the ass to apply new opportunity. Maybe you fucking hated that job you were at and that flat tire that caused you to be late that pissed your boss off and they decide to fire you gives you the opportunity to finally move on and get out of that negative space that's costing you mentally every day 
into new opportunity. That's, it's just one way of looking at it. I get it. But like, that's where I'm coming from. Every huge upheaval in my life has always led to something different or new. What I did with that opportunity, that's completely up to me. But it was an opportunity. It was a possibility. And we don't often look at it that way. We, we usually look at it as a finality. We usually look at it as a, as a, a terrible thing that happened. You know, I was in a car accident when I was um, 17, just about turning 18. It really fucked up my life. It fucked up some other people's lives too. What came of that is the basis for my career as is. It's the reason I became a massage therapist. It's the reason I started martial arts. It's the reason that as a massage therapist, I have a fundamental understanding of the human body far beyond my peers in some cases. And that's not to degrade my peers. It's just that I was put in a situation which I had to learn or was given the opportunity really to learn so much more. In some cases, I know some things that most doctors don't even rep- like they don't even think about. And I get that's that's not their that's not their perspective. They're not that's not their professional level of understanding and there's no need for it to be. But I do things in my everyday practice and I try to stay humble as much as possible, but I do things in my everyday practice as a massage therapist that far exceed what the chiropractor was able to do, that far exceeds what the PT was able to do. And they've also done things that far exceed what I'm able to do. It works vice versa. But I'm given that ability as a massage therapist outside of my peer structure because I went through a shitty car accident where I broke my femur and had to literally learn how to walk, how to jog again, how to run again. Doctors said I wouldn't be running for years because of how the surgery went and these two pins that I had in my knee and how they were ripping apart my ACL and my TCL and my, to be honest, they were really wearing down my IT band and the connection to my knee. So yeah, I could get them out, but, and I did, but overall my leg was fucked up. Couldn't squat down, couldn't kneel. And I had to learn how the human body works in order to undo all that. I went through a whole repatterning system and went from 310, 315 pounds in high school, which is when the accident happened, my senior year of high school, to 210, doing handstands, doing front flips, forward rolls, high kicks, jump kicks, all sorts of crazy martial arts stuff in a matter of a couple years. That opportunity was given to me from a fucking terrible car accident who which ruined two other people's lives. It took me a really long time to get out of the mentality of fuck chaos. That shit sucked to holy shit. Without that opportunity, I wouldn't be where I am today. I would not have my own home. I would not be as successful as I've become. And no, I'm not a millionaire. I don't have amazing cars and go on. I never take vacations. I rarely travel. But if it wasn't for that, there was a strong possibility I'd 
be addicted to drugs or an alcoholic or wasting my life away doing something useless. Instead, I was able to turn that opportunity into something. And isn't, I'm not saying my story is amazing. It's not. There's a lot of stories out there like this. But there is a commonality to these types of stories that the perspective on what happened was an opportunity and a possibility instead of an end or a terrible, horrible confusion that never goes away. And when you apply that to the smallest of things, this understanding of chaos and how chaos is really opportunity, really possibility has no connotation. Chaos doesn't mean you harm. It's just got too much shit and needs you to do something with it. It needs you to be a creator. What you create from it, that's completely up to you. You can create an addiction from it. You can create a a drug problem. You can create a a bad relationship out of it. You can create a, a poor mental image out of it. You can do whatever you want with it. That's mental health. That requires self-awareness to figure out. But chaos is just giving you the opportunities. Instead, you're looking at chaos and going, fuck you. Most people are, I think. And I get it, but I don't get it. Because when you when you flip it and you really see chaos as that, that, that first primordial piece, some of the other stuff starts to make more sense. So that's where I'm at, essentially. Specifically when it comes to the spiritual understanding of things is, I'm not saying faith is wrong. In fact, I'm saying, yeah, faith is a great thing. I don't necessarily believe the religious parts, the canonical writings. I think they're corrupted in some ways. Which is me saying you should never be told what to believe, what to have faith in. You decide that for yourself. But as far as the understanding of what that might be, We have to start, at least I personally have to start, and I think others can start, from a better understanding of chaos. Chaos is opportunity. It's it's possibility. Going back to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary's definition, second definition, not the first one, a state of things in which chance is supreme. The confused, unorganized state of primordial matter before the creation of distinct forms. Let there be light. (laughs) That whole thing. Like it came before. And if it comes before, it's going to be thereafter. So I choose to try to better understand chaos. And I think, again, a state of things in which chance is supreme, that gives us chances. And that might be where I was able to drag myself out of my suicidal nature where I was able to change the action, not the self loathing. The self loathing is still there. I'm not here to say that like, I'm completely, you know, I'm just a happy go lucky. I'm not. I have disdain for myself on a regular basis. It keeps me in check in some ways. I use it as best I can, but you know, there's, there's a great deal of things I don't like about myself and I, I harp on myself for, and I get down on myself for, and I'm not a happy go lucky person. I'm pretty melancholy by the, by and by some people even joke and say that I'm just, you know, I just like to be miserable, but I don't, I don't see the misery. That's a connotation. That's a measurement. I don't see it. 
I see chaos. I see chance. I see that chance is supreme. Chaos is supreme. It comes before everything else. It'll be here after everything else. It's the opportunity. It's the possibility. It's the building blocks. I don't quite know what to do with that yet, though. I just know to talk about it. I just know to talk about it, to, to better put my thoughts together on what chaos is, how we use it, how it could be used. And now that I know that spiritual nature is the realm of why questions, I think I'm left with why does chaos exist? Why is chaos so powerful? Why do we fear chaos? Why does chaos, why has chaos become ever present? These types of why questions, which again, I, I believe spirituality to be the realm of why questions, the subjectivity to the objectivity. I often think in mental health and self-awareness, it's much better to ask non-why questions. Ask how, what, those don't ask why questions. But now that I'm moving into this world of spiritual nature, I have to start asking why questions. And one of the why questions I have to, or some of the why questions I have to start asking have to deal with chaos. Why is it a driving, motivating factor? Why is it infinite possibility? Why, why, why chaos? Why? The funny part about that is that chaos gives little answers and often provides more questions. Because again, if we run out of questions, we can never, 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 never have any more new answers. And thus, that's it. It's all over. There's nothing more to accomplish. It's all perfect. Destroy it. Start over. I believe that would be the definition of the apocalypse is if we ran out of questions or asked a question so unfathomable that there was only one answer. That would be another definition of the apocalypse, I believe, at least. If you could ask a question that was so intrusive and so damning and so over-encompassing or just encompassing in that nature that there was only one answer. That's, that's it. That's the end. There's nothing else after that. Because that would destroy things to a level. The amount of destruction that would have to come after that ordering, remember, chaos, creation, order, destruction. If you created a question so in-depthly human that we only had one answer, you would have ordered things so perfectly that the only thing that could happen would be destruction of everything. So I don't quite understand why we have a problem with other people believing things that we don't. That's a, that's a spiritual question. Why? Why do we have such a problem 
with other people having different beliefs. So much so that we just, for some reason, can't fathom that that's a possibility. And thus we have to act like that person can't exist. Their, their ideas can't exist. And I understand the complexity of that. I really do understand. I've spent hours upon hours upon hours just trying to mull over the possibilities that come into factor here. But that's chaos. That in which chance is supreme. I think one of the greatest problems in today's society is that we limit the chances. We limit the possibilities. We can't fathom that someone else would believe something different than us. And thus we must destroy that person. Be it politically, in media, socially, anything. That that you have politicians that are on one side of an aisle and on a different side of an aisle. And the only fathomable response to a differentiation of opinion is that person's the fucking evilest thing. Oh, they're the, you're a Nazi. You're, you know, and that's, that's where we start the conversation. Holy shit. How close are we to the apocalypse? We're this close. We're this close that the only answer to the question is the farthest realm from the truth. We don't give a shit what the truth is anymore. We don't care. It doesn't matter. We just want people to believe what I believe. I can't, I can't deal with other people having different beliefs than me. Can't deal with it. Nope, nope, nope. You know what the last time this happened was? On a great scale, on a grand scale that changed the world. Not World War II. That wasn't it. That was a whole bunch of people agreeing one person's belief structure was fucked up and we couldn't let that spread any farther because that was some genocide shit. That's not the way the world was supposed to go. That's different. That was a, that was a defined conversation and structure in which we all decided, whoa, wait a minute, hold on, wait up, hold up. No, 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 this can't happen. No, the last time in which the conversation started from the perspective of I can't deal with the fact that someone else has a different belief than me. Not that my beliefs are right. This is different. Hitler believed his beliefs were right. And he wanted to impose his beliefs upon everyone else. That was his perspective. He was coming from, and we all agreed. Well, everybody else agreed. No, 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 no. The world agreed. No, 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 no. We're not gonna let that happen. And I'm oversimplifying as I always do, but to make the point, the last time the conversation started from the perspective of, I can't deal with the fact that somebody else has a different belief than I do, is known as the Crusades. It wasn't about applying the Christian religion to everyone else. It was that the Christian, the, the, Rulers of the Christian faith and religion, religion specifically, couldn't deal with the idea that someone else would have a different belief. That got us the Crusades. And thousands upon thousands of people were slaughtered for no fucking reason other than 
xenophobia and bigotry. We just couldn't deal with the Muslims existing. Christian faith couldn't deal with the Muslims existing. Because they didn't understand it. And, you know, fast forward throughout history, that never went away. Most belief structures are based on a religious canonical writing of a text substructure that has nothing to do with the faith in which someone practices. The truest form of the Muslim faith is very peaceful. Not very inclusive, but pretty damn peaceful. But just like everything, it gets corrupted. You have massive differentiation of understanding of canonical writing, which gets you zealotry and gets you... Uh, I don't even know if I have a, a good enough word to describe it. Um, fanaticism, fanaticism, these types of things, but even that's not quite strong enough. Ignorance, really, willful ignorance. But that stems from that idea of I can't deal with the fact that someone else could possibly believe something different than me. I, I personally understand how that perspective could come about, but don't quite know the right questions to ask to get rid of it yet. And is that not what would be defined as a world peace option to educate individuals in the idea that you get to decide what you believe in. You cannot be told what to believe. You have to figure that out for yourself. And there can be rights and wrongs. Believing that mass genocide is an okay thing is not a correct belief. That's not, I don't know where you came up with that idea, but it's not correct. We need to change that. That was World War II. Again, I'm oversimplifying, but I'm trying to make a point. So instead, we need to teach children or teach people because your education doesn't just stop when you're a child. There's education throughout your entire life. And I believe, you know, maybe it's too big of a question. Maybe that's too big. World peace is too much to ask for. Kind of is in some cases. But these are, the, these are the general nature of why questions. And the only place I can come from is my background of the understanding in which chaos is the possibility and so if we can understand that there is something before, something that comes before all of these things, and it is known as chaos, and that is the infinite possibility, we can understand that it's okay for someone else to have, to come, have, to, to have come to a different conclusion than we did. It's that simple. I practice it every day. When someone comes in to see me and says, oh, I'm seeing the chiropractor and the acupuncturist and the physical therapist and the doctor, and I disagree with them on all sorts of different things, but they came to their conclusion and methodology, and we all came from the same outlook of we want to do right by the patient or at least or the client. At least I hope that's where it came from because that's what the hippocampus says. But generally in medicine or in holistic healing or whatever in health in general, we want to get back to homeostasis and we all in this world have different methodologies in which we get there. So we understand that 
each of us comes to our own different conclusion on how to get there. The best thing to do is try to work with all the other options and to, to make it cohesive for the individual. But often it comes from the perspective of, I can't, can't even believe someone else would think differently than me. That's the Western medicine system as a whole. I can't believe someone would try holistic healing in any, I can't believe someone would try acupuncture. I can't believe someone would try chiropractic. I can't believe it can't be solved with just taking a pill or having a surgery done. That's dogmatic by definition. Dogma is willful ignorance. It's very dangerous. It's fanaticism. It's, it's zealotry. It's, 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 it's a dangerous, dangerous place. And it's unfortunate that people get pushed there. So instead of damning them, I kind of have to ask, what happened? Why did you go so far down this path that you believe there's no other options? What drove you there? How did you get here? Why is this happening? That you believe that there's no other options. Because if you can start to ask those questions and start to really answer those questions. You could change the world. You could also change your world. You could change your relationship with chaos. And I'm here to tell you, I did it. And it's, no, it's not going to lift a great weight off your shoulder. I mean, it might for you, your, 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 your way of, of, of life is different than mine. Your depression is different. I can't understand. I don't understand. It's not a bad thing, though, as I've said many times about how depression in my eyes works. It's uniquely how you view the world, and I can't understand yours, and you can't understand mine. And we got to stop saying I understand. We can't. But we could all try to understand chaos a little bit more, take it from a different perspective, get rid of some of the connotation, have better conversations on it, and thus we can start asking some very big and deep questions that might change our lives or change others' lives. I don't know. It's all possibility. It's infinite possibility. It's why I say we're children of chaos. I like to say I'm a child of chaos. Those who learn to wield chaos or those who learn to read chaos have a peace about them. Have a calm they're that that wise person in the crowd that calm person in the crowd these are the wielders and the understanders of chaos those people you've seen or met or hear of that things just don't phase them or you know maybe just generally good things just kind of come about maybe not you know like publishers clearinghouse million dollar checks but like they were one step away from the accident. They weren't in the accident. Luck is a factor of chaos. I always like to wait to the end to bring out one of the, the big things I'm going to say. Luck is a factor of chaos. Luck is an understanding of chaos. It's a, a subconscious almost, a, a deeper understanding, a very, very deep level of understanding. But I believe that's what luck to, is to be. Luck is... A, 
I don't quite have the words to describe it quite yet, and I'll work on it, but luck is a factor of chaos in some ways. But it's not just a factor of chaos. It's a... It's an understanding of. It's a conversation with, if you will. I find those who are lucky are those who have the best conversations with chaos. Because they don't think themselves to be lucky, but they do understand that in different perspectives they are. And it's what they do with that. Some might call it dharma. Some people misrepresent it as karma. But luck is a conversation with chaos. And an understanding thereof. I consider myself to be a very lucky person. Although if you look at the track record and the history, most people I think would disagree. Most people would be like, dude, like you're, you used to be like completely suicidal, massive clinical depression, terrible shit happened all the time, sexual abuse in your childhood, broken home, physical abuse, then your own personal physical abuse, mental abuse, like, but I consider myself to be a lucky person or to have had luck because I could still be there. I could still be in that world. And that gets into a dangerous game of comparing your life to other people's lives. And like, I mean, I could be a starving child in Africa. could be a starving child in the Middle East. I could be a Uyghur in China. I could be an Aboriginal in Australia, having my home taken away from me on a regular basis. I could, you know, all of these other terrible thing options or what we consider to be a terrible option or worse option than what I have. I, there could be so much more suffering in my life. Absolutely. So in some ways, chaos me, primordial me, quote unquote, spiritual me, grabbed onto some luck and instead got this life and the opportunities that it has bestowed upon me. One of which is to have come to this almost unified idea of what self-awareness is and how to apply it to mental health and to now be able to come from that basis and apply those theories, thoughts, ideas, and philosophies on spirituality which I guess is where I go from here. Who knows? I really don't. Making it up as a go, possibilities of chaos. But that's my conversation on chaos. And, and you know, I would challenge you to come up with your own understanding of what chaos is. Maybe you think chaos is the worst fucking thing in the world. That's up to you. You have to do something with that, though. I, I just I, I deeply believe that it's one of these pieces of things that we need to understand, these primordial ideas, chaos and creation and order and destruction. These are cyclical things. When we understand the cycles, it's kind of the deeper realm of this, is to understand these cycles. There's cycles everywhere. That, it's almost universal. Well, it is universal. It's, it's a principle. It's almost a law of universe of all these cycles that keep happening. And if you don't understand the cycles, you're just caught in the churn. You know, it's 
like the end, the waterfall or the water, you just get caught in this churn, the riptide, those types of things. You're just going to get stuck in it. They're cyclical. Tides come in, tides go out. There's, you know, if you don't understand the cycles, you can't really make change happen. You can't really have understanding or you just get caught up in the cycles or you're at the behest of others. You know, you, you, you don't get to have your own faith. You don't get to have your own belief structures because you're reliant on someone else for that at that point when you're stuck in these cycles and you don't quite understand that they exist. And chaos is the beginning of all cycles. It's the possibility. It's the, the state of things in which chance is supreme, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. So when chance is supreme, when chance is what's happening, there are chances infinite amount of them. They're top level right in front of you. If you don't understand that, then you're doomed to have a, an option put in place in front of you and then to recycle through it. And there are a bunch of people who will take that opportunity. They will take the ability to force you through another cycle. I mean, the universe as a whole will do it. To force you through another cycle to either understand what the fuck is going on and to make different decisions or to benefit from you being in that cyclical nature. That's, we're not really good by nature. We're just not. Humanity's, humanity has at this point shown, I believe, that yes, we are children of chaos, but we do some bad shit with that chaos. And then we blame it on chaos. And chaos isn't the thing to blame here. That's my ultimate piece to add here at the end is we got to stop blaming chaos. Chaos is a known factor by also being unknown. I get that's a little complicated, but chaos is going to be chaos. It's going to be infinite possibility, unending change, the driving force for change and really, but chaos is the progression. It's the infinite progression. It's the, it's the non stopping force. It just continues and continues and continues. And it's the transitory. It's the beginning of all cycles. First we have chaos, then we have creation, then we have order, then we have destruction, and we're right back to chaos to start the whole process all over again. Chaos is never going to stop doing that. So if it's a known idea that that's what chaos is going to do, we can't blame it. We can't blame the person. We can't the person being shitty to their dog or the person being shitty to their spouse or the person being shitty to another country or the person being shitty to the environment or the, you can't let them blame chaos. They don't get to blame chaos. We got to take that option off the table because chaos is a known factor, but it only becomes a known factor when you start to learn about it. Instead, what we do is we just blame shit on it. It's like, oh, chaos is chaos. Chaos is terrible. Look at Merriam-Webster's Dictionary. The first definition is a stutter, a state of utter confusion. A confused mass or mixture. That's the first definition. But then look at the flip here at the second definition. A state of things in which chance is supreme. The confused, unorganized state of primordial matter before the creation of distinct forms. That is a massive difference in definition as far as if we just look at the two that deal with confusion. 1A on MiriamWebster'sDictionary.com, a state of utter confusion. 2A, second part, 
the confused, unorganized state of primordial matter before the creation of distinct forms. Those are two huge differentiations of confusion. Massive. One is a human emotional state, the state of utter confusion, which is not to understand anything. The other is the infinite primordial possibility of all things. Isn't that God, by definition, cannot be understood? That's where I'm left spiritually. That we, I believe in some weird human way we have to define that. And we have to start in some way by not blaming chaos. Because if you blame things on chaos, you're blaming things on your God or gods or a force you don't understand. And if you do that, you're corrupting the other two health bodies. If you're just blaming the spiritual world for everything that's happening, and I've done this quite a bit in my life, I just blamed God or blamed the gods. If you just throw blame up there at the spiritual world, it starts to destroy the mental and physical world too. Because you lose some weird primordial understanding of things. You lose a connection to forces much greater and much bigger and much more powerful. Define them as you will. But if you're just throwing blame at chaos, you're blaming the wielders of chaos, which are gods or, or omnipotent presences. It's like blaming the sun for shining. I do that all the time. I fucking hate the sun sometimes, but because I have light sensitive eyes. Anyway. That's my poor joke at the end. But that that's like, yeah, blaming chaos is like blaming the sun for shining. We, it's a known factor. Chaos is going to be chaos. It's going to do chaotic shit. You can't blame things on it. To take that to the microcosm, how much are you blaming on yourself? And how much are you pushing the blame off of yourself for? It's a conversation to have the mental health and self-awareness side of things. Again, I'm transitioning here a little bit into the spiritual side of things, which also I believe is part of, of it's a higher level of self-awareness because you have to have all three pieces. And I think chaos is, well, it's infinite possibilities. So it's a good starting point to have infinite possibilities. So I'm starting with chaos. Where I'm going from here, I have no idea. But if it's infinite possibility, it's a great place to start. And it's also a great place to come back to when you feel like you're trapped or have nowhere else to go. Why not come back to chaos, to infinite possibility? That's where I got to at the very end when I was contemplating really how to end my life. I was fully planning out in 2019 my road to suicide I, I was fully planning it out quit my accounting job go back to doing massage therapy which I did but 
take that opportunity of massage therapy to pick out a location by taking some trips to where I wanted to die. And also at the same time, figure out all the different ways to sew up the loose ends. My debt. So no one had to deal with that. Sell the house. So no one had to deal with that. You know, all of these different things, I wanted to make it, my options were to make it as, as least impactful as on everyone as possible, which also meant not having family, not having friends, having no real personal connections. Figuring out all of the financial pieces and putting it all in the place, coming up with this grand plan, a single answer, one answer to the question of my life. Putting it all together, a grand plan, a single answer. If I had executed that, there were no other possibilities. There was only that option. I would have eliminated everything else. There was no longer any more possibilities. Fortunately, the lucky bastard I am, I discovered chaos and its possibilities and flipped the whole thing around and thus didn't end up killing myself or going along with the plan in which I implemented, I implemented a great deal of the plan. I just didn't end up committing suicide. Instead, I learned a massive amount about mental health and self-awareness. And I also learned a massive about, about myself and my ties to chaos and how to better live life with it, in some cases for it, but ultimately in a world where possibilities exist. So instead of chaos being the ender of possibility, of fucking my life up royally constantly and blaming the universe over and over again for the flat tire, the self-pity, the shitty work environment, the bad pay, the feeling of loneliness, the never-ending bad relationships, both personally and, and sometimes in cases professionally. Instead of blaming the universe for all of those things and thinking it was chaos's fucking fault, I learned that chaos was the possibility that Every time I got to the point where I just can't fucking take this anymore. I didn't just have one possibility. I didn't just have, oh, if you just kill yourself, it all goes away. No, I had infinite possibilities because chaos had pushed me so far down that direction that I just had to realize, oh, Things need to change. Maybe a great deal of these things need to change. And they can. Because that's what chaos does. It changes things. 
by giving us infinite amount of possibilities. It makes chance supreme. And in some ways, at a spiritual level, I think that's how the universe communicates us to us in some ways. In fact, one of the best understandings of magic, of of real magic, of, of real whatever you want to call it, is listening to that chaos. And the strongest forms of it are what we call the negative emotions, pain, misery, suffering. They're motivating factors that universe uses because we're living beings. We don't want to be in pain. Pain means something's wrong. Suffering means something's wrong. So we often try to get away from it. That's the act of going on living to continue to try to fix those things. If you're starving, it hurts. If you're bleeding, it hurts. So when you understand the human system and start to understand that you are the dictator, you're the omnipotent presence over the body, then you can take the information it gives you, not of how you feel, but what it's telling you. And the mind can make different decisions. That, hey, the cutting yourself fucking hurts. Hey, the going to martial arts class and letting someone bash their arms against you or baton sticks against you or, you know, pop your ankle out because you just, you know, let them get into a bad position or getting choked out. These things hurt your body. What, why, why are you doing them? Remember why questions are the realm of spirituality. Oh, you're doing them to let yourself get hurt, to feel physical pain because you think you deserve it. This is where I was. When you get that conclusion, you get that change in awareness. Remember, awareness is attention to intention. Then you can better have a conversation with those or better understanding of those things, of those motivating factors, of suffering, of pain, of, you know, the things that are outside of the homeostasis world of the organism continuing to live. As above, so below. If I, if you apply that to the spiritual world, oh, hey, universe, you keep doing bad shit to me. And I keep telling you to fuck off. What are you trying to tell me? Are you trying to tell me that, ooh, maybe I shouldn't be treating my body like shit. Okay. Maybe you're trying to tell me not to treat other people like shit. Okay. Like you gotta, that's the realm of spirituality, at least in my book, is that universe is trying to tell us some shit and we often just aren't listening. So you got to figure out how you listen. And the first thing in my, my adventure here, my journey is now understanding what I've understood the entire time this factor of chaos and to start listening to it a little bit more 
I might not understand it. I might not get the message. But I can't just dismiss it. I gotta, I gotta listen. So you gotta listen to infinite possibility. And that's the major decision. Overall, I had, I made it differently. It was a different kind of, uh, originally it was a rebellious decision of mine not to commit suicide that I believed reincarnation is the possibility is what's going to happen. And that I would just have to do this shit all over again. I don't want to fucking do that. So I want to choose immortality by nature, physical immortality to stop that from happening. So killing myself would only put me back in the cycle. Fuck the cycle. I don't want anything to do with that. So the decision then became, okay, well, we can't do that. In reality, in retrospection, you know, being 20, hindsight's 2020, I was choosing to listen to chaos. I was choosing to listen to the possibilities instead of just deciding on one. Or that there was only one answer to all of the questions. Because that's never true. There can never be one singular answer to all questions. Again, that would bring on the most perfect order, which means everything after that has to be destroyed. That's how I see it. There can never be one answer to all the questions. Because then we're out of questions. And if there's no questions, there can never be no more answers. And it can never be anything else. Nothing else can be created then. And that's the world of chaos. So I chose to step back and try to better understand chaos and how it works, what it really is, why it's the first piece, why we can come back to it in the end to have more possibilities. And that's where I'm at. And maybe I'll get a little bit further. Who knows? Every episode I seem to try to find a new understanding of something and I'll, I'll come up with another, another word to define and go from there. But I think at this point, the podcast is transitioning into the last piece that I don't understand. And I hope you'll come along for the journey to better understand it with me is to understand that spiritual side of things, to understand how the spiritual and the mental and the physical all kind of line up together. And I may never get there. So maybe this goes on indefinitely. I don't know. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of getting used to that. I don't know. It's part of one of chaos's answers. And it kind of makes sense. I don't know. Oddly enough, it's the one answer that answers everything. But also doesn't answer it. If you get what I mean. I'll see you on the next one. I appreciate you coming along as always. Uh, check us out at taminghindrances.com as the outro says, and I will see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. But go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.